Good morning, my Hopewellian family and friends. I pray and trust and hope that you are doing well. I pray that God has been good to you. I know he has, <clears throat> and I pray that you've been good to yourself. <clears throat> I pray that you've had a blessed week and that you're looking forward to hearing what thus says the Lord this morning as we study from the book of Lamentations. You're going to enjoy this, I promise you, especially at a time like this. As I said before, this is the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, Norcross, Georgia, adult Sunday school class. Our pastor is Bishop William L. Shields. We are so glad that you've joined us remotely, that you've joined us by phone, that you've joined us by heart, that you've joined us by mind, that you have a desire to hear what God is saying to the people. Not what the newspaper is saying, not what CNN is saying, not what it's MSNBC or Fox or ESPN, but you want to hear what thus saith the Lord. So glad to have you. Would you join me, please, in corporate prayer as we ask God and look to God to heal us and satisfy us and tell us what it is he wants us to know. Let's pray. Father God, in the blessed name of Jesus, the blessed name of Jesus, the one whom we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, who rose on the third day, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we come to you by faith, we don't come to you with critical analysis. We don't come to you trying to figure out who you are. We don't come to you trying to challenge your authority. We submit willingly to the will of the Father. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us with enough sense to know that if we hear from you, everything will be all right. We can't figure everything out, but if we hear from you, we know everything will be all right. We don't know everything, but if we can hear from you, we know that everything, oh my God, will be all right. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, your peace that you've shown to us. Thank you for withholding your hand of judgment when we deserved it. Thank you for giving us mercy and grace through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your awesome, wonderful goodness and your grace. Thank you for your magnificent power that's on display on a daily basis throughout the universe and even down to the regiment of our lives. Now, God, we're here this morning because we need you. Some of us need you, God, because we need physical healing. Some of us need financial healing. Some of us need healing from disease. Some of us need healing from sickness. Some of us need healing from emotional issues, whether short-term or long-term. We're here, God, because you're the only one we can go to. You have the words of life. You are our God, and beside thee there is none other. So we pray this morning for your power to envelop us, your power to anoint us, for your peace to overtake us, for your love to engulf us. Oh God, we thank you this morning in advance for what you're about to do. Your credit is good with us. Now God bless this particular assembly, Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, Norcross, Georgia, not because we're special, but because you've called us to a work that we're doing and we will not look back. We will stay on the wall and build for the kingdom of God. We thank you for our bishop. We thank you for those who labor to assist him, like Pastor Davis and the staff. We thank you, God, that this, this train doesn't run on its own. There's so many good staff people who volunteer their time, and those who are not on staff who come just because they want to minister to the people. Thank you, Father, for them. Now, God, we pray this morning that you bless us as we study your word. Your word is already a blessed and anointed. Now, God, help us to hear what you're saying to the church. 
from the book of Lamentations in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said virtually, amen. God is so strategic that it is scary. He's strategic enough that he would give us a lesson that is a perfect lesson for somebody or some people dealing with a pandemic. It's a perfect lesson for people dealing with social unrest and upheaval in a country that they love. It is so interesting that God would give us this lesson at a time when confusion is throughout the land and, and people don't know where to go. We got so much gun violence. We have so much regular violence. We have so many, so much political upheaval. But God always has a word. Oh, I, can, I see you clapping. I see you already jumping, jumping up, dancing, because you know God always has a word for the times. And this day is no different. The title of the lesson from the commentary is The Nation's Plea. And that plea as, as is made by a man by the name of Jeremiah. Now, I want you to think about this as if we're in a courtroom this morning. The defense is seated. The prosecutors are seated. The jury is assembled in the box. And out on the bench walks the almighty God, Jehovah, the, the, the pre-existent one. And here is Jeremiah as the attorney for the guilty defendant. I said, here is Jeremiah as the attorney for the guilty defendant who pleads to God on the defendant's behalf. Think about this more. Put yourself inside that courtroom. There's a hush in the courtroom. Nobody, you can't hear a sign. You can hear a pin drop. As Jeremiah lays out his, 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 his plea, his argument, to and for God to come in and bless these, his people. Jeremiah is fully capable of being the attorney for the defense because when he was in his, before he was in his mother's womb, excuse me, God called him to be a prophet to the nations. That's an amazing thing. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because his heart hurt so much because he loved his country, Israel, his people, the Hebrews, the Jews so much. And he couldn't understand why they couldn't get themselves together and serve Almighty God. He was persecuted <clears throat> repeatedly for telling and preaching the word. He prophesied about the coming judgment. Nobody wants, <clears throat> wants to hear about judgment because everybody thinks everything will be all right. But God is a God of justice, so there has to be judgment. You know about Jeremiah because you often quote Jeremiah 29, when he says that I know the plans I have for you, <laughs> plans of peace and not war, Pl plans to give you an appointed end. But, but before that, Jeremiah prophesied 70 years of oppression. And so this Jeremiah now comes to God this morning and, and, and paints a picture of God, excuse me, to God, uh, of, of Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, how it looked after the destruction of the city by the Babylonians. Most of the people had been exiled to Babylon, but the ones remaining in Judah were the poor who had been left there to tend the land, to pull the grain. 
working class people were the ones left in Judah. Through Jeremiah's eyes, uh, uh, we see the results of disobedience to God. We, we want to almost say to ourselves through Jeremiah's eyes and then making it topical and practical today as we look around our own country, you say to yourself, what has our country come to? What, what, what elderware has, has happened? What, what's going on, as Marvin Gaye would say in that classic, what's going on? Make me want to holler the way they do my life. What's our country come to? Uh, Jeremiah's personal experiences enable him to accurately describe the torment and anguish of those who felt like they were under siege and they were in a land that was supposed to be theirs. Jeremiah had actually been in Jerusalem when the siege and the city of destruction took place. Jeremiah must have had conflicting thoughts pulling at his sanctified soul. On the one hand, the righteous God had judged his sinful people and had kept his promise to punish disobedience. But uh, despite Jer Jerusalem's terrible chastisement, Jeremiah also knew, get this good people of God, get this good, you don't get nothing, anything else we say this morning. Jeremiah also knew that God always responds to faith. Let me say that again. Jeremiah also knew that God always responds to faith. Jeremiah also knew that God would judge the wicked pagans of Babylon who had dealt harshly with his people. Jeremiah prophesied judgment on Jerusalem and on Israel, but he also prophesied judgment on Babylon. Jeremiah realized that despite his passion and what he'd asked God to do, he realized he needed to wait on God to bring it to pass. Don't get ahead of God. Say that again, elderware. I will. Don't get ahead of God. Let God be God in your life. Stop plotting and scheming and planning and planting little seeds and trying to figure out. You don't need to do all of that. Let God be God. In chapter five, where our lesson comes from today, this is a prayer that Jeremiah is praying, not a speech. It is a plea. Remember now, we're in a courtroom. Don't forget, as we go through this day, we're in a courtroom. It's hushed. There are cameras in the courtroom. People are watching. It's all. It's on CNN. It's on. It's on ABC, NBC, CBS. It's even on ESPN. It's on Fox. Believe it or not, it's there. Everybody's watching. So Jeremiah, the the the, the cameras on you, and it's a prayer that reminds us to live righteously, to confess our sins, and to have confidence in God. Live righteously, confess our sins, and have confidence in God. Let's start with Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. It's there, 22 verses. We have to go fairly quickly. It's the entire chapter of, 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 of chapter 5 of, of, of Lamentations, but we're going to get through it. Here's what Jeremiah starts with, and this is how your prayer ought to start. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Consider and behold our approach. Earlier in, in his writings in Lamentations, Jeremiah had spoken of the many merciless afflictions that the Babylonians imposed on the Israelites. These people who were in charge were mean 
when they didn't have to be. <clears throat> they were merciless. They remind you a lot of what happened to the children of Israel in Egypt, where they double the straw to make bricks, because now you see those beautiful monuments that we call pyramids. That's what they were building, that and other structures. And, and, and to do that, they needed some free labor. I know another place that was built on the backs of free labor that abused people, that enslaved people and used their resources and used their backs and broke their backs in work and never paid them a dime. Oh yeah, Uncle Ben and Angie Mama and all of them never got a quarter for their work. And then Geronimo and Cochise had to give up their land because somebody else wanted it. This is the kind of thing Jeremiah is praying about. And Jeremiah says, God, I want you to remember what has come upon us. In the Bible, remembrance is never a request to simply recall something. It always involves a resulting action. So Jeremiah's plea here, let me say it like this. Uh, Jeremiah's prayer here is a call for God to act. Yeah, that's what we're doing this morning. We're, we're, we're calling collectively on God to act, to do something on behalf of his people. Jeremiah, like us, prayed based on his faith that the covenant-keeping God of Israel would act in accordance with his unchangeable character. You know God has said it, just like, just like the, 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 the prophet Malachi told us. God said, I am the Lord. I changeth not. Ah, he, he, he knew that God was long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiven iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. The nation was punished just, justly, and the prophet now saw the need for restoration. He, Jeremiah said, we're not running from the punishment, God. We deserve it. We, we, we deserve what befalls us. But what I'm asking you, God, what I'm pleading for you, God, as I stand here at this book board before the very judgment seat of God, what I'm asking you, God, is to have mercy. Uh, Jeremiah used this phrase, you, you know what has come upon us. It refers to the extreme calamity of God's people were suffering at the hands of the Babylonians. Yes, punishment had come upon Israel, and now they face the need for restoration. God never punishes without a restoration part in it. Oh, God, God always restores because his desire is not to destroy. His desire is to correct conduct. So Jeremiah addresses this plea, this prayer to, to the Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, or Yahweh, Jehovah, a name for God that focuses on his pre-existence, setting God apart from all the pagan gods that were around them. We're not praying to just anybody. We're not making up gods that some people have done. We're not making up a religion like some people have done. We're not making up something to talk about as some people have, have done. We're not taking the word and, and proof texting it and, and taking the, 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 the text uh, out of context and make it just a con text, we are praying to the true and real God. He says to God, his plea, his consider and behold our reproach. He's, that pronoun our refers to Judah, the entire southern kingdom, including Jerusalem. Jeremiah's entire prayer reflects the feelings of a whole nation 
But here's what he does that blesses me, that makes me want to jump up and run around this home office. He acts as an intercessor for them. Jeremiah picks up the role of intercessor, which is a pre-incarnate role that Jesus is going to play later on by, 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 by being an intercessor. He's there. He's a defense lawyer. Uh, the, 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 the evidence is stacked against us. Uh, we're guilty as charged. But Jeremiah says, have mercy, Lord. <laughs> but by using the words consider, the word consider, uh, at least the terms, consider and behold, both of them which mean, to watch this, to see or look at. Jeremiah was asking the Lord, and we're asking God this morning, to look closely at the conditions that have befallen our nation because of multiple pandemics. A health crisis, COVID-19. Systemic racism. Police brutality. Political unrest and upheaval. An upside down economy where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in the richest nation in the world. Hear our plea, O God. Hear our cry, O God, and tend unto our prayer. From the ends of the earth do we cry unto thee. When our heart is overwhelmed, lead us to the rock that's higher than I. Judah's reproach became a thing of this grace. Uh, Jeremiah is saying, I'm, I'm pleading to you, God, because, because when we look bad, uh, in effect, God, uh, I apologize for having to say this this way to you, God, but in effect, it makes you look bad because we've told people you were a deliverer. We've told people you were a healer. We've told people you were a, a, a God who answers prayer, but yet they see our condition. So God, I'm asking you to move because otherwise we and you will be a reproach. Jeremiah says, I know in order for you to move, I've got to first get you to, to, to forgive your people uh, because we did wrong. We messed up. So Jeremiah says, I want to enter a plea for your people. I want to ask you, God, to find them not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah, we crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same plea that Jesus makes from the cross. He stops dying long enough, Pastor Love, to, to ask God to forgive the people who were killing him by reason of insanity. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's not guilty by reason of insanity. He says, I know we've been a reproach. I know, I know that we're a reproach. If you don't move, God, we, we, we messed up. We didn't, have enough, we didn't have enough sense to do what you told us to do, so we've had to suffer. But God, I need you to move right now on behalf of your people. <laughs> Let's read verses uh, two through five. Our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. I'm in Lamentations 5. We are orphans and fatherless, our mothers are as widows. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. <clears throat> our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. Jeremiah says there have been, as they said in the movie Life, some consequences and repercussions because we acted up. Jeremiah says the stuff we ought to own, other people own. Uh, by abandoning our God, the repercussions have hit us in the pocketbook, not just in what we have to do. God, you promised Abraham that the descendants of the land of Canaan would be Abraham's descendants 
and this land would be our inheritance. But look at it, God. Look at it. It's, it's turned to strangers. Stuff we ought to own, we don't own. Albert Avenue, great businesses that, that everybody owned who looked like everybody who shopped there is gone. God, God, God what's, what's going on, God? Jeremiah says, God, this, 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 we're, in a, we're in a situation that we need your help. He says, strangers or foreigners or people who don't look like us, God, have taken control of Palestine. He said, look, God, all these enemies, God, have overrun Palestine, and now they are running things, and they are running stuff you gave us. This is supposed to be ours. And, and these strangers are running it. Supposed to be ours, God. He said, he said we, 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 we've, our houses have been given over to these invaders, these marauders, these aliens. The nation's kings and princes, the strongest individuals, lost all their rights and were defenseless. You can see that in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 when you get a minute. During the invasion of Jerusalem, people of God, these foreigners had also destroyed all the buildings of the city, including the king's palace. They were ruthless. They were burn up and tear down stuff that didn't belong to them so that the people would be afraid of them as they continue to abuse the people. Jeremiah says, God, you saw it like we saw it. We've now prayed for restoration. Can't change it. It's over. It's done with, but you can restore. God is never without the ability to restore. The same Jesus that can turn water to wine and water and wine have different, totally different chemical elements. He can change your life from a life of destruction to a life of joy and peace. Grab hold this morning. Grab hold. Jeremiah says, not only that, he says we're impoverished. We, 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 we're lacking money. He says, we're often orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. In other words, Jeremiah says, we, we have no protection. We, we having to borrow money to pay back money we borrowed. You understand that? We're having to borrow money to pay back money we borrowed. So it becomes a sieve. Y'all familiar with the word sieve? Or, or maybe you don't know this, but, but when I grew up in the country, my mother had a little thing called a sifter. She would put her flour in it and you turn a crank on the side and you sift the flour and all you get out at the, through the sifter uh, is the pure flour, but uh, it, it comes out a little better. Uh, he said, we've been sifted, uh, God. And, and what's left here is we, 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 don't we don't have any, any finances and no way to get finances. And the finances we do get, we already owe it to somebody. He says, fix this, God, back to where we're in an ownership position. That's a good prayer. You want to be an owner because God had promised in Deuteronomy to them, and he promised it to us that we'd be the lender and not the borrower. We'd be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Come on, God, restore that back again. And let me tell you, people of God, he will. I've seen him do it. Jeremiah says, with this remnant that you left here in Judah, uh, we're like orphans and widows. We don't have any protection. We, we are fatherless. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus promises later to be a father to the fatherless. He promises to be, uh, uh, he's moved by compassion because he says he saw the nation, all of us Christians, not just the nation of Israel, everybody, as, a, as sheep without a shepherd. 
If you are a sheep without a shepherd, you have no protection from the elements, no protection from the wolves. And Jesus says, but I want to be the good shepherd. Oh, I'm going to step in and help you and get you back to the land, I promise. Because Jesus said, God said, excuse me, to those, to those Israelites, that when they got to Canaan, it would be, would be a land flowing with milk and honey. But he didn't say he couldn't turn the spigot off. Y'all know what a spigot is. If not, look it up uh, uh, from the country. Flowing with milk and honey. And so what happened? Somebody cut the milk off and your honey is gone. But God said, listen, I mean, Jeremiah says, God, restore that. It's, it's, it's ours. It's rightfully ours. Oh God, I'll just take my 40 acres and my mule. He says, rightfully, I'll just restore God back to what you promised us. We want to be one nation under God, indivisible. How? With liberty and justice for all. Not liberty and justice for y'all. Liberty and justice for all. Pray, Jeremiah, pray. He says, we've drunken our water for money. I love that phrase, by the way. We've drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold under us. That, 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 that idiomatic phrase, uh, we, 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 we've drunken our water for money, means that even as servants to the Babylonians, the Israelites were made to pay for their own drinking water. Now, most times people don't charge you for water. I'm not talking about a water system like you and I live on where you pay because there's a filtration system. We need somebody to clean the water. I'm talking about what we would call free water, water out of the, out of the river, water out of the stream. They had to pay for it. Uh, you think that doesn't happen in modern times? Ask those people in Flint, Michigan, what will happen if somebody contaminates the water you drink. Jeremiah says, deliver us from that kind of foolishness, God. They've even made water an extra, extra expense. In addition, he says, they had, they had the, the, the people had to pay for their own firewood. So even if you went and chopped the tree down, you had to pay for the firewood. The essentials of life, once freely found in nature, now the Israelites had to pay for it because they turned their backs on the one true and living God. But Jeremiah says, I'm not focused so much on what we did, God. I'm focused on deliverance now. I need you, God, to show up and be God. Ironically, this condition is the opposite, as I just told you, of what God had planned for them. You, 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 you can't make it if you don't do the way, or you do things the way God says do them. Look what happens here in verse 5. And see if this doesn't ring true, especially after this week. Our necks are under persecution. Let me read that again. I told you God was so strategic. Doesn't God know how to, to have a lesson that fits the times we're in? I love God. Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. You, you know about George Floyd. I'm not going to get into that. But it's, that's, that's what they're talking about, where somebody will put their knee on your neck till the life is gone. That's what he, they're talking about spiritually. He said our necks are under persecution. We don't have any rest. But there are people who are above us, God, who despise us so much that they'd rather see us die than see us get delivered. There's nothing they won't do, he says. And he's, just, and he's not talking about any particular race of people. And I'm not talking about any particular race of people. I'm talking about a system, a system-wide sort of uh, approach that says poor should be kept poor as rich get richer. That's what I'm talking about. And it does manifest itself, manifest itself in things like what happened to Brother George Floyd and innumerable others. He's, this Hebrew idiom 
uh, our next expression means that the, the, the Babylonian persecutors uh, and prosecutors were always, that, that their hand was just beyond their neck to grab them as they tried to escape. These people were merciless. They could humiliate them at any time. Do y'all remember anything like that? Any people who've gone through that kind of thing? Where people would humiliate them just for the sake of humiliating them. People would try to take away their manhood, take away their, 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 their very existence, but God is still God. He is on the throne. He, Jeremiah says, I'm, I'm, from, I'm reminding you of this God because it's antithetical to what we're trying to do. And I know, God, you're going you're gonna to deliver he said, yeah, he said, God, I, 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 people are tired of, of working all day, coming home, falling asleep in front of the TV because they're so tired. And before they can rest good, they got to get right back up. As my dad used to say, he said, son, I have to work from can't see to can't see. <laughs> if you work from can't see to can't see, you can't get my, my father, father used to say, he said, I don't like Georgia because Georgia is the only place in the, in the world I've ever known where you got to work year round to make a living. Oh, he, he was making a point that, 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 that every time he tried to get ahead because of the, 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 the system like I grew up under, which was the, uh, uh, they didn't call it the apartheid system, but they called it the sharecropping system. No matter how much you worked, you were always in debt. And Jeremiah said, you see that God, like I said, and he says, God, 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 please deliver us from this. And I'm telling you something, people of God, he will. He has, and he's going to keep doing it. Let's read verses six and seven. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Now, help me slow down a minute and, 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 and teach this so you will get this. Uh, this other Hebrew idiom or expression refers to willing submission to things people know are not of God. This means, watch this now, that God's people, and it happened historically, submitted to Egypt and Assyria in order to get food. The people had turned from God so much that they were willing to submit themselves to the authority of any nation who would give them bread or food. They lost their culture. They lost their sense of who they were. They lost their sense of worship. They lost their sense of community. They lost their sense of God, what God played in their lives. They debased themselves for money, for record deals, for anything they could get. They debased themselves to the enemy. And God said, and Jeremiah, excuse me, said, God, forgive us. That is not what you told us to do because by doing that, we, in effect, are worshiping idols. He said, man, you can't give yourself over to the enemy just because somebody is oppressing you <clears throat> and somebody is taking advantage of you does not mean that you have to willingly submit. Nobody's saying you challenge and take up arms and end up losing your life, but he's saying as a culture, as a, as a matter of practice of worship, as a matter of integrity and ethics, you've got to hold on to that which you know is God, which is in you and has been in you since your grandmother had you on the mourner's bench. You know better. 
and you will you shouldn't let anybody just because of cultural appropriation appropriation change you into something you're not. Stay on the path that you know about. He said. He said. We it, it, these people just gave us bread, and we made a foolish deal. <laughs> oh God, we we made a foolish deal. We made an Esau deal. Esau and Jacob, twins, had an inheritance. Esau got hungry. His brother said, give me your inheritance. I'll give you this food. And Esau made the worst transaction in the history of the world, sold his birthright for some soup. Wasn't even Campbell's soup. Wasn't even Campbell's chunky soup. Just soup, lentil soup. Sold his birthright. And Jeremiah said, we did the same thing. But God Bring us back. Don't give up on us, God. Don't give up on us. He says, uh, at verse 7, we just read, he said, <clears throat> Our fathers have sinned, and we have borne their iniquities. Although the sufferings of captives uh, understood that they had sinned too, they thought that they could blame it on their ancestors. And they thought that their ancestors were accountable for their sin. But I got news for you this morning. That's not true. No longer will we, will our <clears throat> fathers eat grapes and our teeth be set on edge. That's no longer true. We cannot blame people who've gone before us for what we're doing. We are responsible for everything we do. We have to have personal accountability. Look, <clears throat> look what happened here. Excuse me. He says, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he says, um, Things were so bad for the remnants in Israel that they were being ruled by Babylonian officials who themselves were considered servants or slaves of the kings of Babylon. Watch this. This is verse 8. He says, when these people invaded us, their slaves came over here and, and started giving us orders. In essence, the Hebrews in Palestine, who themselves were servants to Babylon, were being ruled by the Babylonian service. <clears throat> God's people were not only ruled by Babylonian officials, but also by their servants. And there was nobody to deliver them. No David, no Samson, no Gideon, no great kings. Why? Because they turned their backs on God. And so when, because they turned their backs on God, they had to step and fetch it. Yeah, go get it, go get it, go get it. They had to because they had forgotten the God of Israel who, served, who they served, and they had been told if you don't turn from your wicked ways, stop worshiping idols, stop doing these things, there's going to be a worldwide pandemic. Oh, excuse me. There's going to be a, an invasion from, from Babylon and Assyria. Excuse me. There's going to be coronavirus. Excuse me. If you don't stop, if the, the world, if you don't turn to God, not just the United States, it's not that simple. The world, you need to turn yourself to God or Guess what happens? Now you've got to go to God because he's the only one with the answer. The God that we serve. Uh, uh, by the way, Canaan was a cursed land. That's Noah's grandson. He never cursed Ham as some evangelical Christians try to teach to justify the oppression of people of color. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Ham was not cursed and turned any particular color Canaan was cursed. That's why we're in the talk about the land of Canaan, not the land of Ham. Now, 
The, 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 Jeremiah says the people were correct when they said, there is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. In other words, that, like I said before, they had no kings to deliver them. And one of Judah's kings, Jehoiachin, surrendered to the Babylonians when Jerusalem was besieged. And the one the Babylonians replaced him with, Zedekiah, rebelled against Babylon. When he did, they put his eyes out and carried him to Babylon. People stand up and then people try to make them not be able to see what they can see. They will do everything they can to debase and defile and criticize good leaders, people who are trying to do what's right. Even call them up to Congress like they did Stacey Abrams, have her testify, but Stacey is bad. Don't, don't, don't mess with Stacey, because, but she knows what she's talking about. And so look how God can, can despite the fact that you're in the, in the heartbeat of the enemy, how God delivers and gives you words to say that make good sense to anybody who's listening with a good brain. Now watch this, watch this. Look at verse nine. <clears throat> You'll like this. We got our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. He said, when people tried to find bread or food <clears throat> in the wilderness, they faced great danger. Jerusalem, I mean, excuse me, Jeremiah said, uh, if, even when we go out to try to get food, it's dangerous. Y'all, y'all see what he's saying? He said, it's dangerous to shop. <laughs> Jeremiah said, we, we used to live in peace. Now, if we go to Lenox and go into the Louis Vuitton store, uh, pe people in there with guns. He said, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be scared to shop. But that's what happens to a place where you turn from God. You got to turn back. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It's a principle. Seek my faith. Turn from their wicked ways. I hear from heaven. Watch this. Forgive their sins. Watch this too. And heal their land. That's the answer. Not a government program, but a spiritual program. Uh, and, and, and Jeremiah says this, and, and, and think about this, people of God, sort of thematically. Once you get a taste of life without God, all you want is a life with God. Say that again, where? I will. Once you get a taste of what life is like without God, all you want is a life with God. Let's hurry on up our last few verses. And th this next verse is, 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 has some controversy. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. Princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind and the children fell under the wood. The elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from music. Now, those who call themselves black Hebrews, the Hebrew nation, point to this verse as a verse which justifies that movement. Let me just say, there's no biblical Justification for any kind of separation within the body of Christ. None. He calls himself a black Hebrew, brown Hebrew, blue Hebrew, <clears throat> anything you want to call. There's no biblical justification for it because the book of Galatians tells us very plainly. Now, in Christ, there is no more Jew. There's no more Greek. There's no more bond. There's no more free. There's no more male. There's no more female. Why? For we are all one 
in Christ. Thank you, my Hebrew brothers. I, I know you got this good little thing going on, but you're wrong. And the Bible says you're wrong, not me. There is no separation in the body of Christ within the body of Christ. That's nonsense. It is as, it's, it's just as ridiculous as the fact that churches are segregated. It makes no sense. It's traditional. It's, it's, it's by ethnicity, but it's still not God's best, and we know it. So let's move on. He says they treat the women like property. He said they do. He said, that, that, he said, this is what happens now when you turn your back on God. They treat the women as if they're not women. Women held a position of great esteem. And he says, well, when these people took over and we turned our backs on God, guess what? They, treat, they don't treat our women well. And watch this, because this may sound familiar to you. He said, then they would do things like, verse 12, they would have public hangings to humiliate our leaders. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. And he says, God, deliver us, God, make recompense for that because it was designed to humiliate. But guess what? It didn't work. It worked for a while, but people were able to see that and suffer that humiliation, degradation, and shame and come back stronger. If you don't believe it, look in the mirror at how strong you are. Look in the mirror. You're looking at a strong person. You're looking at a survivor. You're looking at somebody who will make it no matter what, despite all the stuff the enemy has done to and to us and with our people, and God is still on the throne, and you're still living in the house you're living in, driving what you're driving, eating what you're eating, because God can deliver when his people pray and his people turn to him. Oh, God, thank you for that. He said they made the young men work. The children fell under wood. He said, it's, it's, this is verse 13, 14, verse 13 says, it's terrible. Even from the youngest child, you got to start working because in order for the family to make it, everybody in the house got to have a job. Even the dog got to go get his own bone. He said, this is terrible. And we, God, need you to come in and intervene. Last few verses and we're done. They uh, Excuse me. The elders have, have ceased from the gate. The young men from their music. The joy of our heart is ceased. Our dance is turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Warned us that we have sinned. For this our heart is faint. For these things our eyes are dim. Because of the mountains of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. Last one. This is the petition. This was what's important. Verses 19 to 22. Watch this now. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Wherefore dost thou forget us forever and forsake us so long a time? Read 22 first, then 21, because that's what they did traditionally. 22 said... But thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. 21 is then read, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. God, hear our cry. God, hear our plea. God, it's morning time. God, here we are. We've confessed. We've regretted. And we now want you to deliver. God, do it for us. God, we stand here this morning and we say it's morning time. God, we pray to you out of Psalms 35, for his anger endureth but for a moment and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'm telling you, people of God, despite what it looks like, despite the circumstances and the opposition, 
despite what it looks like financially, despite what it looks like in your health, I'm telling you, it's morning time. I'm telling you, yes, we've, we've weeped during the night. Yes, we've suffered. Yes, we've been through. But I'm telling you right now, if you would just grab hold of your faith, if you would just hold on to the horns of the altar, if you would just look to the hills from what's come of your help and begin to know that even in the midst of a pandemic as it gets over, that God is going to deliver us. He's going to bless us like he said he would. It's morning time. You can begin to praise him. You can begin to praise him. Don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout now, despite what we've been through, it's morning time. God will deliver us. Be blessed. Good morning, my Hope Wellian family and friends. I pray and trust and hope that you are doing well. I pray that God has been good to you. I know he has, <clears throat> and I pray that you've been good to yourself. <clears throat> I pray that you've had a blessed week and that you're looking forward to hearing what thus says the Lord this morning as we study from the book of Lamentations. You're going to enjoy this, I promise you, especially at a time like this. As I said before, this is the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, Norcross, Georgia, adult Sunday school class. Our pastor is Bishop William L. Shields. We are so glad that you've joined us remotely, that you've joined us by phone, that you've joined us by heart, that you've joined us by mind, that you have a desire to hear what God is saying to the people. Not what the newspaper is saying, not what CNN is saying, not what it's MSNBC or Fox or ESPN, but you want to hear what thus saith the Lord. So glad to have you. Would you join me, please, in corporate prayer as we ask God and look to God to heal us and satisfy us and tell us what it is he wants us to know? Let's pray. Father God, in the blessed name of Jesus, the blessed name of Jesus, the one whom we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, who rose on the third day, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we come to you by faith, we don't come to you with critical analysis. We don't come to you trying to figure out who you are. We don't come to you trying to challenge your authority. We submit willingly to the will of the Father. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us with enough sense to know that if we hear from you, everything will be all right. We can't figure everything out, but if we hear from you, we know everything will be all right. We don't know everything, but if we can hear from you, we know that everything, oh my God, will be all right. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, your peace that you've shown to us. Thank you for withholding your hand of judgment when we deserved it. Thank you for giving us mercy and grace through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your awesome, wonderful goodness and your grace. Thank you for your magnificent power that's on display on a daily basis throughout the universe and even down to the regiment of our lives. Now, God, we're here this morning because we need you. Some of us need you, God, because we need physical healing. Some of us need financial healing. Some of us need healing from disease. Some of us need healing from sickness. Some of us need healing from emotional issues, whether short-term or long-term. We're here, God, because you're the only one we can go to. You have the words of life. You are our God, and beside thee there is none other. So we pray this morning for your power to envelop us, your power to anoint us, for your peace to overtake us, 
for your love to engulf us. Oh, God, we thank you this morning in advance for what you're about to do. Your credit is good with us. Now, God bless this particular assembly, Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, North Cross, Georgia, not because we're special, but because you've called us to a work that we're doing, and we will not look back. We will stay on the wall and build for the kingdom of God. We thank you for our bishop. We thank you for those who labor to assist him, like Pastor Davis and the staff. We thank you, God, that this, this train didn't run on its own. There are so many good staff people who volunteer their time, and those who are not on staff who come just because they want to minister to the people. Thank you, Father, for them. Now, God, we pray this morning that you bless us as we study your word. Your word is already a blessed and anointed. Now, God, help us to hear what you're saying to the church. From the book of Lamentations, in Jesus' precious name, and everybody said virtually, amen. God is so strategic that it is scary. He's strategic enough that he would give us a lesson that is a perfect lesson for somebody or some people dealing with a pandemic. It's a perfect lesson for people dealing with social unrest and upheaval in a country that they love. It is so interesting that God would give us this lesson at a time when confusion is throughout the land and, and people don't know where to go. We got so much gun violence. We have so much regular violence. We have so many, so much political upheaval. But God always has a word. Oh, I, can, I see you clapping. I see you already jumping, jumping up, dancing, because you know God always has a word for the times. And this day is no different. The title of the lesson from the commentary is The Nation's Plea. And that plea as, as is made by a man by the name of Jeremiah. Now, I want you to think about this as if we're in a courtroom this morning. The defense is seated. The prosecutors are seated. The jury is assembled in the box. And out on the bench walks the almighty God, Jehovah, the, the, the preexistent one. And here is Jeremiah as the attorney for the guilty defendant. I said, here is Jeremiah as the attorney for the guilty defendant who pleads to God on the defendant's behalf. Think about this more. Put yourself inside that courtroom. There's a hush in the courtroom. Nobody can hear a sign. You can hear a pin drop as Jeremiah lays out his, 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 his plea, his argument to and for God to come in and bless these, his people. Jeremiah is fully capable of being the attorney for the defense because when he was in his, before he was in his mother's womb, excuse me, God called him to be a prophet to the nations. That's an amazing thing. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because his heart hurt so much because he loved his country, Israel, his people, the Hebrews, the Jews so much. And he couldn't understand why they couldn't get themselves together and serve Almighty God. He was persecuted <clears throat> repeatedly for telling and preaching the word. He prophesied about the coming judgment. Nobody wants, <clears throat> wants to hear about judgment because everybody thinks everything will be all right. But God is a God of justice, so there has to be judgment. 
You know about Jeremiah because you often quote Jeremiah 29 when he says that I know the plans I have for you. <laughs> plans of peace and not war. Pl plans to give you an appointed end. But, but before that, Jeremiah prophesied 70 years of oppression. And so this Jeremiah now comes to God this morning and, and, and paints a picture of God, excuse me, to God, uh, of, of Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, how it looked after the destruction of the city by the Babylonians. Most of the people had been exiled to Babylon, but the ones remaining in Judah were the poor who had been left there to tend the land, to pull the grain. Working class people were the ones left in Judah. Through Jeremiah's eyes, uh, uh, we see the results of disobedience to God. We, we want to almost say to ourselves through Jeremiah's eyes and then making it topical and practical today as we look around our own country, you say to yourself, what has our country come to? What, what, what elderware has, has happened? What, what's going on, as Marvin Gaye would say in that classic, what's going on? Make me want to holler the way they do my life. What's our country come to? Uh, Jeremiah's personal experiences enable him to accurately describe the torment and anguish of those who felt like they were under siege and they were in a land that was supposed to be theirs. Jeremiah had actually been in Jerusalem when the siege and the city of destruction took place. Jeremiah must have had conflicting thoughts pulling at his sanctified soul. On the one hand, the righteous God had judged his sinful people and had kept his promise to punish disobedience. But uh, despite Jer Jerusalem's terrible chastisement, Jeremiah also knew, get this good people of God, get this good, you don't get nothing, anything else we say this morning. Jeremiah also knew that God always responds to faith. Let me say that again. Jeremiah also knew that God always respond to faith. Jeremiah also knew that God would judge the wicked pagans of Babylon who had dealt harshly with his people. Jeremiah prophesied judgment on Jerusalem and on Israel, but he also prophesied judgment on Babylon. Jeremiah realized that despite his passion and what he'd asked God to do, he realized he needed to wait on God to bring it to pass. Don't get ahead of God. Say that again, elderware. I will. Don't get ahead of God. Let God be God in your life. Stop plotting and scheming and planning and planting little seeds and trying to figure out. You don't need to do all of that. Let God be God. In, in chapter five, where our lesson comes from today, this is a prayer that Jeremiah is praying, not a speech. It is a plea. Remember now, we're in a courtroom. Don't forget, as we go through this day, we're in a courtroom. It's hushed. There are cameras in the courtroom. People are watching. It's, all, it's on CNN. It's on, it's on ABC, NBC, CBS. It's even on ESPN. It's on Fox. Believe it or not, it's there. Everybody's watching. So Jeremiah, the, 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 the camera's on you, and it's a prayer that reminds us to live righteously. 
to confess our sins and to have confidence in God. Live righteously, confess our sins, and have confidence in God. Let's start with Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. It's there, 22 verses. We have to go fairly quickly. It's the entire chapter of, 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 of chapter 5 of, of, of Lamentations, but we're going to get through it. Here's what Jeremiah starts with, and this is how your prayer ought to start. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Consider and behold our approach. Earlier in, in his writings in Lamentations, Jeremiah had spoken of the many merciless afflictions that the Babylonians imposed on the Israelites. These people who were in charge were mean when they didn't have to be. <clears throat> they were merciless. They remind you a lot of what happened to the children of Israel in Egypt, where they doubled the straw to make bricks, because now you see those beautiful monuments that we call pyramids. That's what they were building, that and other structures. And, and, and to do that, they needed some free labor. I know another place that was built on the backs of free labor that abused people, that enslaved people and used their resources and used their backs and broke their backs in work and never paid them a dime. Oh yeah, Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima and all of them never got a quarter for their work. And then Geronimo and Cochise had to give up their land because somebody else wanted it. This is the kind of thing Jeremiah is praying about. And Jeremiah says, God, I want you to remember what has come upon us. In the Bible, remembrance is never a request to simply recall something. It always involves resulting action. So Jeremiah's plea here, let me say it like this. Uh, Jeremiah's prayer here is a call for God to act. Yeah, that's what we're doing this morning. We, we're, we're, we're calling collectively on God to act, to do something on behalf of his people. Jeremiah, like us, prayed based on his faith that the covenant-keeping God of Israel would act in accordance with his unchangeable character. You know God has said it, just like, just like the, 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 the prophet Malachi told us. God said, I am the Lord. I changeth not. Ah, he, he, he knew that God was long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiven iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. The nation was punished just, justly, and the prophet now saw the need for restoration. He, Jeremiah said, we're not running from the punishment, God. We deserve it. We, we, we deserve what befalls us. But what I'm asking you, God, what I'm pleading for you, God, as I stand here at this book board before the very judgment seat of God, what I'm asking you, God, is to have mercy. Uh, Jeremiah used this phrase, you, you know what has come upon us. It refers to the extreme calamity of God's people were suffering at the hands of the Babylonians. Yes, punishment had come upon Israel and now they face the need for restoration. God never punishes without a restoration part in it. Oh God, God always restores because his desire is not to destroy. His desire is to correct conduct. So Jeremiah addresses this plea, this prayer to, to the Lord. L-O-R-D, all caps, or Yahweh, Yehovah. 
a name for God that focuses on his pre-existence, setting God apart from all the pagan gods that were around them. We're not praying to just anybody. We're not making up gods that some people have done. We're not making up a religion like some people have done. We're not making up something to talk about as some people have, have done. We're not taking the word and, and proof texting it and, and taking the, 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 the text uh, out of context and make it just a con text. We are praying to the true and real God. He says to God, his plea, his consider and behold our reproach. He's, that pronoun our refers to Judah, the entire southern kingdom, including Jerusalem. Jeremiah's entire prayer reflects the feelings of a whole nation. But here's what he does that blesses me, that makes me want to jump up and run around this home office. He acts as an intercessor for them. Jeremiah takes up the role of intercessor, which is a pre-incarnate role that Jesus is going to play later on. By, 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 by being an intercessor, he's there, he's a defense lawyer. Uh, uh, the, 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 the evidence is stacked against us. Uh, we're guilty as charged. But Jeremiah says, have mercy, Lord. <laughs> but by using the words consider, the word consider, uh, at least the terms, consider and behold, both of them, which mean to watch this, to see or look at. Jeremiah was asking the Lord, and we're asking God this morning, to look closely at the conditions that have befallen our nation because of multiple pandemics. A health crisis, COVID-19. Systemic racism. Police brutality. Political unrest and upheaval. An upside-down economy where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in the richest nation in the world. Hear our plea, O oh God. Hear our cry, O oh God. Attend unto our prayer. From the ends of the earth do we cry unto thee. When our heart is overwhelmed, lead us to the rock that's higher than I. Judah's reproach became a thing of this grace. Jeremiah is saying, I'm, I'm pleading to you, God, because, because when we look bad, uh, in effect, God, uh, I apologize for having to say this this way to you, God, but in effect, it makes you look bad because we've told people you were a deliverer. We've told people you were a healer. We've told people you were a, a, a God who answers prayer, but yet they see our condition. So God, I'm asking you to move because otherwise we and you will be a reproach. Jeremiah says, I know in order for you to move, I've got to first get you to, to, to forgive your people uh, because we did wrong. We messed up. So Jeremiah says, I want to enter a plea for your people. I want to ask you, God, to find them not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah, we crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same plea that Jesus makes from the cross. He stops dying long enough, Pastor Love, to, to ask God to forgive the people who were killing him by reason of insanity. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's not guilty by reason of insanity. He says, I know we've been a reproach. I know, I know that we're a reproach. If you don't move, God, we, 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 we messed up. We, we, didn't have enough, we didn't have enough sense to do what you told us to do, so we've had to suffer. But God, I need you to move right now on behalf of your people. <laughs> Let's read verses uh, two through five. Our inheritance is turned to strangers. Our houses to aliens. I'm in Lamentations 5. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. 
we have drunken our water for money, our wood is sold unto us. <clears throat> our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. Jeremiah says, there have been, as they said in the movie Life, some consequences and repercussions because we acted up. Jeremiah says, the stuff we ought to own, other people own. Uh, by abandoning our God, the repercussions have hit us in the pocketbook, not just in what we have to do. God, you promised Abraham that the descendants of the land of Canaan would be Abraham's descendants and this land would be our inheritance. But look at it, God. Look at it. It's, it's turned to strangers. Stuff we ought to own, we don't own. Albert Avenue, great businesses that, that everybody owned who looked like everybody who shopped there is gone. <laughs> God, God, God what's, what's going on? God? Jeremiah says, God, this, 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 we're, in a, we're in a situation that we need your help. He says, strangers or foreigners or people who don't look like us, God, have taken control of Palestine. He said, look, God, all these enemies, God, have overrun Palestine and now they are running things and they are running stuff you gave us. This is supposed to be ours. And, you, and these strangers are running it. It's supposed to be ours, God. He said, he said we, 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 we've, our houses have been given over to these invaders, these marauders, these aliens. The nation's kings and princes, the strongest individuals, lost all their rights and were defenseless. You can see that in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 when you get a minute. During the invasion of Jerusalem, people of God, these foreigners had also destroyed all the buildings of the city, including the king's palace. They were ruthless. They were burn up and tear down stuff that didn't belong to them so that the people would be afraid of them as they continue to abuse the people. Jeremiah says, God, you saw it like we saw it. We've now prayed for restoration. Can't change it. It's over. It's done with, but you can restore. God is never without the ability to restore. The same Jesus that can turn water to wine and water and wine have different, totally different chemical elements. He can change your life from a life of destruction to a life of joy and peace. Grab hold this morning. Grab hold. Jeremiah says, not only that, he says we're impoverished. We, 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 we're lacking money. He says we're orphan, orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. In other words, Jeremiah says, we, we have no protection. We, we having to borrow money to pay back money we borrowed. You understand that? We're having to borrow money to pay back money we borrowed. So it becomes a sieve. Y'all familiar with the word sieve? Or, or maybe you don't know this, but, but when I grew up in the country, my mother had a little thing called a sifter. She would put her flour in it and you turn a crank on the side and you sift the flour and all you get out after the, through the sifter uh, is the pure flour. Uh, it, it comes out a little better. Uh, he said, we've been sifted. Uh, God, and what's left here is 
we 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 don't we don't have any any finances and no way to get finances and the finances we do get we already owe it to somebody. He says, fix this God back to where we're in an ownership position. That's a good prayer. You want to be an owner because God had promised in Deuteronomy to them and He promised it to us that we'd be the lender and not the borrower. We'd be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Come on, God, restore that back again. And let me tell you, people of God, he will. I've seen him do it. Jeremiah says, with this remnant that you left here in Judah, uh, we're like orphans and widows. We don't have any protection. We, we are fatherless. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus promises later to be a father to the fatherless. He promises to be, uh, uh, he's moved by compassion because he says he saw the nation, all of us Christians, but not just the nation of Israel, everybody, as, a, as sheep without a shepherd. If you are a sheep without a shepherd, you have no protection from the elements, no protection from the wolves. And Jesus says, but I want to be the good shepherd. Oh, I'm going to step in and help you and get you back to the land, I promise. Because Jesus said, God said, excuse me, to those, to those Israelites, that when they got to Canaan, it would be, would be a land flowing with milk and honey. But he didn't say he couldn't turn the spigot off. Y'all know what a spigot is. If not, look it up uh, uh, from the country. Flowing with milk and honey. And so what happened? Somebody cut the milk off and your honey is gone. But God said, listen, I mean, Jeremiah says, God, restore that. It's, it's, it's ours. It's rightfully ours. Oh, God, I'll just take my 40 acres and my mule. He says, it's rightfully ours. Just restore God back to what you promised us. We want to be one nation under God, indivisible. How? With liberty and justice for all. Not liberty and justice for y'all. Liberty and justice for all. Pray, Jeremiah. Pray. He says, we've drunken our water for money. I love that phrase, by the way. We've drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold under us. That, 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 that idiomatic phrase, uh, we, 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 we've drunken our water for money, means that even as servants to the Babylonians, the Israelites were made to pay for their own drinking water. Now, most time people don't charge you for water. I'm not talking about a water system like you and I live on where you pay because there's a filtration system and we need somebody to clean the water. I'm talking about what we would call free water, water out of the, out of the river, water out of the stream. They had to pay for it. Uh, you think that doesn't happen in modern times? Ask those people in Flint, Michigan, what will happen if somebody contaminates the water you drink. Jeremiah says, deliver us from that kind of foolishness, God. They've even made water an extra, extra expense. In addition, he says, they had, they had the, 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 the people had to pay for their own firewood. So even if you went and chopped the tree down, you had to pay for the firewood. The essentials of life, once freely found in nature, now the Israelites had to pay for it because they turned their backs on the one true and living God. But Jeremiah says, I'm not focused so much on what we did, God. I'm focused on deliverance now. I need you, God, to show up and be God. Ironically, this condition is the opposite, as I just told you, of what God had planned for them. You, 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 you can't make it if you don't do the way, if you do things the way God says do them. Look what happens here in verse 5 and see if this doesn't ring true, especially after this week. Our necks are under persecution. Let me read that again. 
I told you God was so strategic. Doesn't God know how to, to have a lesson that fits the times we're in? I love God. Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. You, you know about George Floyd. I'm not going to get into that. But it's, that's, that's what they're talking about, where somebody will put their knee on your neck till the life is gone. That's what he, they're talking about spiritually. He said, our necks are under persecution. We don't have any rest. But there are people who are above us, God, who despise us so much that they'd rather see us die than see us get delivered. There's nothing they won't do, he says. And he's, just, he's not talking about any particular race of people. And I'm not talking about any particular race of people. I'm talking about a system, a system-wide sort of uh, approach that says poor should be kept poor as rich get richer. That's what I'm talking about. And it does manifest itself, manifest itself in things like what happened to Brother George Floyd and innumerable others. He's, this Hebrew idiom, uh, our next expression, means that the, the, the Babylonian persecutors uh, and prosecutors were always, that, that their hand was just beyond their neck to grab them as they tried to escape. These people were merciless. They could humiliate them at any time. Y'all remember anything like that? Any people who've gone through that kind of thing? Where people would humiliate them just for the sake of humiliating them. People would try to take away their manhood, take away their, 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 their very existence. But God is still God. He is on the throne. He, Jeremiah says, I'm, I'm, from, I'm reminding you of this God because it's antithetical to what we're trying to do. And I know, God, you're going you're to deliver he said, yeah, he said, God, I, 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 people are tired of, of working all day, coming home, falling asleep in front of the TV because they're so tired. And before they can rest good, they got to get right back up. As my dad used to say, he said, son, I have to work from can't see to can't see. <laughs> if you work from can't see to can't see, you can't get my, my father-in-law father used to say, he said, I don't like Georgia because Georgia is the only place in the, in the world I've ever known where you got to work year round to make a living. Oh, he, he was making a point that, 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 that every time he tried to get ahead because of the, 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 the system like I grew up under, which was the, uh, uh, they didn't call it the apartheid system, but they called it the sharecropping system. No matter how much you worked, you were always in debt. And Jeremiah said, you see that God like I said, and he says, God, 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 please deliver us from this. And I'm telling you something, people of God, he will. He has, and he's going to keep doing it. Let's read verses six and seven. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Now, help me slow down a minute and, 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 and teach this so you will get this. Uh, this other Hebrew idiom or expression refers to willing submission to things people know are not of God. This means, watch this now, that God's people, and it happened historically, submitted to Egypt and Assyria in order to get food. The people had turned from God so much that they were willing to submit themselves to the authority of any nation who would give them bread or food. They lost their culture. They lost their sense of who they were. They lost their sense of worship. They lost their sense of community. They lost their sense of God, what God played in their lives. They debased themselves for money, for record deals, for anything they could get 
they debased themselves to the enemy. And God said, and Jeremiah, excuse me, said, God, forgive us. That is not what you told us to do, because by doing that, we, in effect, are worshiping idols. He said, man, you can't give yourself over to the enemy just because somebody is oppressing you <clears throat> and somebody is taking advantage of you does not mean that you have to willingly submit. Nobody's saying you challenge and take up arms and end up losing your life, but he's saying as a culture, as a, as a matter of practice of worship, as a matter of integrity and ethics, you've got to hold on to that which you know is God, which is in you and has been in you since your grandmother had you on the mourner's bench. You know better. And you will you shouldn't let anybody, just because of cultural appropriation, change you into something you're not. Stay on the path that you know about. He said, he said, we, it, it, these people just gave us bread and we made a foolish deal. <laughs> oh God, we, we made a foolish deal. We made an Esau deal. Esau and Jacob, twins, had an inheritance. Esau got hungry. His brother said, give me your inheritance. I'll give you this food. And Esau made the worst transaction in the history of the world, sold his birthright for some soup. Wasn't even Campbell's soup. Wasn't even Campbell's chunky soup. Just soup, lentil soup, sold his birthright. And Jeremiah said, we did the same thing. But God, bring us back. Don't give up on us, God. Don't give up on us. He says, uh, at verse seven, we just read, he said, <clears throat> our fathers have sinned and we have borne their iniquities. Although the sufferings of captives uh, understood that they had sinned too, they thought that they could blame it on their ancestors. And they thought that their ancestors were accountable for their sin. But I got news for you this morning. That's not true. No longer will we, will our <clears throat> fathers eat grapes and our teeth be set on edge. That's no longer true. We cannot blame people who've gone before us for what we're doing. We are responsible for everything we do. We have to have personal accountability. Look, <clears throat> look what happened here, excuse me. He says, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he says, um, things were so bad for the remnants in Israel that they were being ruled by Babylonian officials who themselves were considered servants or slaves of the kings of Babylon. Watch this, this is verse eight. He says, when these people invaded us, their slaves came over here and, and started giving us orders. In essence, the Hebrews in Palestine, who themselves were servants to Babylon, were being ruled by the Babylonian servants. <clears throat> God's people were not only ruled by Babylonian officials, but also by their servants. And there was nobody to deliver them. No David, no Samson, no Gideon, no great kings. Why? Because they turned their backs on God. And so when, because they turned their backs on God, they had to step and fetch it. Yeah, go get it, go get it, go get it. They had to because they had forgotten the God of Israel who, served, who they served. And they had been told, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, stop worshiping idols, 
stop doing these things, there's going to be a worldwide pandemic. Oh, excuse me. There's going to be a, an invasion from, from Babylon and Assyria. Excuse me. There's going to be coronavirus. Excuse me. If you don't stop, if the, the world, if you don't turn to God, not just the United States, it's not that simple. The world, you need to turn yourself to God or guess what happens? Now you've got to go to God because he's the only one with the answer. The God that we serve. Uh, uh, by the way, Canaan was a cursed land. That's Noah's grandson. He never cursed Ham, as some evangelical Christians try to teach to justify the oppression of people of color. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Ham was not cursed and turned any particular color. Canaan was cursed. That's why we're in the talk about the land of Canaan, not the land of Ham. Now, the, 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 the Jeremiah says the people were correct when they said there is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. In other words, they, like I said before, they had no kings to deliver them. And one of Judah's kings, Jehoiachin, surrendered to the Babylonians when Jerusalem was besieged. And the one the Babylonians re replaced him with, Zedekiah, rebelled against Babylon. When he did, they put his eyes out and carried him to Babylon. People stand up and then people try to make them not be able to see what they can see. They will do everything they can to debase and defile and criticize good leaders, people who are trying to do what's right. Even call them up to Congress like they did Stacey Abrams, have her testify, but Stacey is bad. Don't, don't, don't mess with Stacey, because, but she knows what she's talking about. And so look how God can, can despite the fact that you're in the, in the heartbeat of the enemy, how God delivers and gives you words to say that make good sense to anybody who's listening with a good brain. Now watch this, watch this. Look at verse nine. <clears throat> You'll like this. We got our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. He said, when people tried to find bread or food <clears throat> in the wilderness, they faced great danger. Jerusalem, I mean, excuse me, Jeremiah said, uh, if, even when we go out to try to get food, it's dangerous. Y'all, y'all see what he's saying? He said, it's dangerous to shop. <laughs> Jeremiah said, we, we used to believe in peace. Now, if we go to Lenox and go into the Louis Vuitton store, uh, pe people in there with guns. He said, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be scared to shop. But that's what happens to a place where you turn from God. You got to turn back. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It's a principle. Seek my faith. Turn from their wicked ways. I hear from heaven. Watch this. Forgive their sins. Watch this too. And heal their land. That's the answer. Not a government program, but a spiritual program. Uh, and, and, and Jeremiah says this, and, and, and think about this, people of God, sort of thematically. Once you get a taste of life without God, all you want is a life with God. Say that again, where? I will. Once you get a taste of what life is like without God, all you want is a life with God. Let's hurry on up our last few verses. And th this next verse is, 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 has some controversy. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. 
They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. Princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind and the children fell under the wood. The elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from music. Now, those who call themselves black Hebrews, the Hebrew nation, point to this verse as a verse which justifies that movement. Let me just say, there's no biblical justification for any kind of separation within the body of Christ. None. Because if a black Hebrew, brown Hebrew, blue Hebrew, <clears throat> anything you want to call, there's no biblical justification for it because the book of Galatians tells us very plainly. Now, in Christ, there is no more Jew. There's no more Greek. There's no more bond. There's no more free. There's no more male. There's no more female. Why? For we are all one in Christ. Thank you, my Hebrew brothers. I, I know you got this good little thing going on, but you're wrong. And the Bible says you're wrong, not me. There is no separation in the body of Christ within the body of Christ. That's nonsense. It is as, it's, it's just as ridiculous as the fact that churches are segregated. It makes no sense. It's traditional. It's, it's, it's by ethnicity, but it's still not God's best, and we know it. So let's move on. He says they treat the women like property. He said they do. He said, that, that, he said this is what happens now when you turn your back on God. They treat the women as if they're not women. Women held a position of great esteem. And he says, well, when these people took over and we turned our backs on God, guess what? They, treat, they don't treat our women well. And watch this, because this may sound familiar to you. He said, then they would do things like, verse 12, they would have public hangings to humiliate our leaders. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. And he says, God, deliver us. God, make recompense for that because it was designed to humiliate. But guess what? It didn't work. It worked for a while, but people were able to see that and suffer that humiliation, degradation, and shame and come back stronger. If you don't believe it, look in the mirror at how strong you are. Look in the mirror. You're looking at a strong person. You're looking at a survivor. You're looking at somebody who will make it no matter what, despite all the stuff the enemy has done to and to us and with our people. And God is still on the throne and you're still living in the house you're living in, driving what you're driving, eating what you're eating, because God can deliver when his people pray and his people turn to him. Oh God, thank you for that. He said they made the young men work. The children fell under wood. He said it's, it's this verse 13, 14, verse 13 says it's terrible. Even from the youngest child, you got to start working because in order for the family to make it, everybody in the house got to have a job. Even the dog got to go get his own bone. He said, this is terrible. And we, God, need you to come in and intervene. Last few verses and we're done. They uh, Excuse me. The elders have, have ceased from the gate. The young men from their music. The joy of our heart is ceased. Our dance is turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Warned us that we have sinned. For this our heart is faint. For these things our eyes are dim. Because of the mountains of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. Last one. This is the petition. This was what's important. Verses 19 through 22. Watch this now. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Wherefore dost thou forget us forever and forsake us so long a time? Read 22 first, then 21, because that's what they did traditionally. 
22 said, but thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. 21 is then read, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. God, hear our cry. God, hear our plea. God, it's morning time. God, here we are. We've confessed. We've regretted. And we now want you to deliver. God, do it for us. God, we stand here this morning and we say it's morning time. God, we pray to you out of Psalms 35, for his anger endureth but for a moment and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'm telling you, people of God, despite what it looks like, despite the circumstances and the opposition, despite what it looks like financially, despite what it looks like in your health, I'm telling you, it's morning time. I'm telling you, yes, we we weep during the night. Yes, we've suffered. Yes, we've been through. But I'm telling you right now, if you would just grab hold of your faith, if you would just hold on to the horns of the altar, if you would just look to the hills from which come of your help and begin to know that even in the midst of a pandemic as it gets over, that God is going to deliver us. He's going to bless us like he said he would. It's morning time. You can begin to praise him. You can begin to praise him. Don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout now, despite what we've been through, it's morning time. God will deliver us. Be blessed.